morning welcome everyone this is bingesh uh, gundra from pitch camp and uh, you know today we have uh, shrinath sridharan uh, a, a distinguished uh, business leader in the indian ecosystem very glad to have him on our show today and uh, you know he's our first guest speaker on the leadership series of uh, pitch camp where we bring in you know different perspective of uh, business leadership and what does it take to build a very successful uh, business uh, in india serving the india market or even serving the, you know the global market from india so today our speaker comes uh, you know with a very distinguished uh, track record and experience so i'll just quickly introduce him uh, shrinath sridharan is a business leader member of various boards and industry associations a mentor and a transformation coach his corporate stints includes automobiles advertisements advertising consumer business financial services industries he has held board memberships across regulated listed financial services entities across housing finance asset management life insurance general insurance space and fintech firms he advises pe firms as part of their portfolio companies advisory boards and to mentor some of the founders of those investing companies he works with leadership teams in enabling transformation of organizations with complex cities of talent culture conflict generation change of promoters key management m&a cultural issues and issues of business scale and size so you know i'm extremely delighted to have shrinath uh, on our show and uh, you know it's been uh, it's an honor and privilege to have him as well so welcome shrinath thank you so much for uh, being part of uh, pitch camp thank you bimlesh it's a delight to be back with a friend and a fellow schoolmate i think uh, both of us will behave very nicely on this call uh, not as schoolmates <laughs> <laughs> and maintain the decorum of the industry <laughs> yeah wonderful absolutely so uh, you know you you have had a very interesting uh, you know uh, career uh, you know we parted ways after school and we got in touch after uh, several years uh, you know and i was trying to build uh, our healthcare uh, platform uh, pharmacy.com and we have had some amazing conversations uh, and i got to also understand uh, you know your you know breadth and depth of uh, you know industry expertise that you have uh, built over your uh, you know career over 24 years and uh, you know now you are on a sabbatical and taking a different world view of uh, of things so in today's uh, talk uh, you know i want to pick your brains on uh, uh you know on the key topic of uh, leadership in crisis uh you know since you have also uh, donned the role of a leadership coach and you know working on the transformational area uh talk to me about in general you know how does how does one define crisis in in business right and then we'll you know we'll start from there and then we'll go down the present situation of how companies need to look at uh, handling covid sure uh, I, i mean let's look at uh, what's a crisis crisis is something that you never anticipated or planned for i mean in our personal lives it could be on a daily basis it could be very minor you go out uh, of your residence and you suddenly realize in the cab or your car that you forgot your wallet um i mean it could be as minor as that or a very very life threatening or business threatening the threatening of the very existence of yourself or your business and that's a very very large crisis i mean what we call the existential crisis right uh, of course every business globally especially the uh, tech uh, uh, platforms and the startups that you work with uh, they are going through the concept crisis on a daily basis they are forced and they are supposed to actually prove of uh, showcase a proof of concept and uh, today 
almost all uh, businesses thanks to covid globally are going through an existential crisis lot of supply chain disruption is happening lot of uh, supply chain of talent is going to happen we still haven't seen the magnitude of uh, the uh, retrenchments and the pain that will come with uh, uh, existential crisis right and i think crisis uh, if we accept crisis and here i want to quote a very famous author dr scott peck uh, in his book the road less traveled he starts the book uh, with the very first sentence which says life is difficult accept it and okay. in that context uh, and i'm not a naysayer i'm not a negative person at all i'm a realist uh, I'm, i look forward to every single day so if you say that life is difficult everything is a challenge and you're ready for the challenge it's almost like our military training i mean you're equipped to uh, deal with arms and ammunition you're equipped to deal with uh, difficult situations difficult terrains lack of sleep lack of food uh, and if you go through that training uh, you are actually not anticipating on a daily basis that there's going to be a war but the fact is you're geared up for a war and i th- right. and i think that's what is missing in all our b schools if you look at the uh, actually the curriculum of our business schools Uh, we all have almost pampered our uh, next generation to move from classroom to boardroom uh, that's a feeling and i think crisis suddenly hits them hard saying that oh my god how do i deal with it there is no class book textbook uh, solution at all so i think that's where uh, when i look at your own journey uh, farm easy and others it's how you uh, adopted and adapted to the in- environment around you and how you uh, scaled up and scaled down how you took calls and decisions it's it's a personal journey that each of us go through on a daily basis and there's no replicating a book at all on this everybody's formula and solution is different right right and especially when there's a global crisis of this scale you know there's no playbook for anyone to refer not to or or someone who has experienced it in the past i think uh, the last such global uh, Uh, you know, situation came was in 1918, and uh, you know many many of them are not around here today, right? To share you know how businesses uh, managed and uh, survived there. So uh, this is great. So fundamentally, you know, it's an existential crisis. So business leaders, uh, you know, decision making, uh, your traditional way of decision making, which is you know predominantly data based and you know little bit of uh, instinct based. goes for a task and it's all about you know fear anxiety you know the fear of unknown what's going to happen tomorrow uh, you know am i you know should i plan for a short term existential challenge or a larger or time frame existential challenge so as as a business coach or as someone who has been on large companies boardrooms how do some of these conversations move around and uh, you know today when and you know when you are sitting across uh, with these uh, founders uh, you know as a coach how how much of these conversations have changed and uh, you know talk us through now how their decision making process uh, you know has has fundamentally evolved from a data to a fear driven based psychosis sure i mean i think fear is a primal emotion uh, i mean right from uh, a child and as we grow along uh, we have it and uh, f- fear cannot replace or bravado cannot replace fear i mean they uh, they exist coexist uh, in life and one of the biggest changes that i realized in the conversations over the let's say the last 4 months uh, pre covid and post covid is this a lot of them uh, the especially the uh, the startup ecosystem 
were talking about scale growth they were talking about new markets um, and also some of them were talking about let's admit a very very fancy valuation uh, i could hear dollar conversations and not rupee conversations uh, <laughs> and today uh, i think we've all come back on terra firma where we are talking about who's my customer how do i reach my customer is there a cheaper way of reaching my customer am i improving the quality of life for my customer because fundamentally globally business is all about adding value to our consumers if we cannot add value to each of our consumer we have no business asking for their business whether it is b2b or b2c that's a reality and i think covid has made that impact uh, i mean let's say stay very very stark the second one that i uh, i'm surprised and i shouldn't be surprised having seen some of this is the ability of lot of young entrepreneurs to raise capital the equity capital uh, in the last few years was phenomenal and uh, let's not mistake exuberance of youth with experience of a mature professional i think somewhere they will have to coexist so the fear that the startups will displace uh, those who are experienced uh, is a myth and that's something very very proven and i i will qualify it why i say so Uh-huh. the if you are able to raise equity capital worth let's say hundreds of dollars hundreds of crores but the fact is if you are staring with taking a hard nosed business decision dealing with people dealing with your regulator dealing with shutting down of certain units certain products you're dealing with a volatility of your emotions your investors and as you said the data sets right all the data sets can tell you that hey your business is going to grow under four months just hang in there But the fact is the next 4 months you may not even exist if you cannot trim off your business so that's a stark one that i think most of the entrepreneurs are facing now the ability of raising equity or capital in a good flowing market doesn't mean it you have the ability to deal with a crisis and the associated emotions imagine if you have to let go of 1000 people in your organization it's heart wrenching right. there are far better humane ways of doing it yes of course but it takes away a lot of you your emotions along with it because you have built your organization and this is exactly what i always lead on to the concept of family business has been prevalent for centuries globally the family owned businesses i mean we have large scale family owned businesses in india we are into large infra businesses as well and what i call the real economy businesses but the fact is they have gone through historically those decisions uh, time in time out again while the globe might have seen a large crisis 100 years ago in india we have seen almost every 10 years we have seen a crisis right the, the our pre independence then the independence then the, uh, the pakistan war then the china war then uh, we went through a slump the national emergency then uh, pre liberalization time and then when we liberalized and we always also as a uh, asian country we've also faced the malaysian currency issue the sars issue then the global financial crisis in 2008 also had a minor impact and today the world is far more interconnected right. which means your investor or your lender could be sitting in a small town in canada but the fact is you're interconnected uh, so we cannot wish away that it doesn't happen on even if covid were not uh, as prevalent in india we still would have an impact because your investor is getting impacted and will pull out money from the domestic markets your lender would say i want the money up front and i would rather discount it for me because i want to retain cash i mean all these are natural so coming back to your question this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs did not relate to previously they said i have an idea and i've raised 100 crores uh, and i will expand and my next valuation set of valuation would be 1000 crores 
uh, I think that paradigm has kind of shifted. What is it? Who's my customer? We're going back to the basic: who, what, when, why, and how. And I think if the pitch book for every entrepreneur is made as simple as that, the four Ws and one H, I think then we'll be doing far more justice to the Indian ecosystem. And especially those who are serving the Indian uh, consumers, I've suddenly realized that all our needs and wants. I mean, uh, you're in Bangalore, and Bangalore has got a lot of people who are from outside of Bangalore and working there. S- similar as Mumbai, where I live, or, or top uh, six or seven of our uh, cities have the same style. And the point is, how are we going to attract them back, hold them back? How are we going to ensure that we give them dignity, respect in each of our businesses? And I think that's what is going to determine the sustained success of anybody who comes back. I think crisis is a great opportunity. Uh, people recoup if you can get through this, rebuild your business. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, there might be an outlier event or not, but you will build business far robustly. I think every crisis makes uh, a man out of a boy uh, or a stronger man out of a man. Absolutely, fantastic. Well said. I think uh, you know couple couple of uh, areas you know where you said that uh, you know there's no there's no playbook. Uh, you know, to deal with this scenario, and we uh, and also in B schools, you know, the direct shift from a B from a classroom to a boardroom. That's a great analogy on uh, uh, you know on how I think for a very long time uh, we as technology entrepreneurs or even as basic entrepreneurs, we have only seen crises which are our own doing. Uh, which is predominantly self-manifested uh, from an entity point of view. It could be due to cash flow, or it could be excessive growth. Uh, but things that were in control have now gone out of control. Uh, but seldom some of these le- lessons have been passed on you know, to the next uh, set of entrepreneurs in the, in the ecosystem. Today, what is happening is you know now there's a lot more outreach happening to you know. People with larger, more experience, uh, you know, to to have a different worldview. Uh, there's a lot more outreach happening between entrepreneurs within the ecosystem to say that, uh, hey, how are you dealing with crisis? I'm trying to do this. What are you doing? So in this way, there's a lot more collaboration between the founders that are happening, where conversations are increasing. However, culturally, we have been dealt, uh, we have been conditioned mentally to not to talk about crisis in our lives. and how does this affect one's uh, you know mental uh, health and uh, you know the strength required to deal with this to say that hey now i am not alone but it's okay but i still need to take these decisions talking to people is going to be hard and you know reflecting on my own business and my journey and now where i need to take my business forward is a very heart wrenching exercise right now uh what is what are the things that you are seeing on how some entrepreneurs are able to deal with this and some who are still struggling and not knowing how to go about it sir i think it's a very very valid question and very relevant uh, to the context of today the crisis around us uh, i think it's very cultural right uh, we don't speak about failures we celebrate success and nobody remembers the number 2 co- guy or the number 2 company uh, right sadly that's a reality and let's say even the number one guy if he becomes number two uh, we just forget him and that's the world and uh, we can all say that's the ideal of the world uh, and live with it or just say hey uh, why don't we start celebrating and learning from our failures look at corporate india i mean we have thousands of failures of a 
business model didn't change on time business model failed or so many things uh, and can we learn from them and celebrate failures and learn from them i think if we can do that i think our uh, boardroom conversations will be far richer our classroom conversations will be far richer i mean the b schools have used historically for the last 20 35 years the concept of case study of successful right. companies right. can you take three examples of companies which did not innovate on time which failed which did not transform i think transformation is going to be the biggest challenge all right i think in that context uh, the entrepreneurs i see who are able to cope are able to openly talk about what did not work rather than gloating on their achievements past achievements and past goals i think that's something to learn from their personality type uh, they're willing to talk about failure of course i i give them all the credit and uh, rightfully they may not talk about it in their boardroom because their investors are also sitting there and uh, this is a society let's face it we are judged every moment you are judged and especially if you are a successful company and a successful entrepreneur uh, everything that you do or say is public today unfortunately there is no privacy or private space for conversations at all so which means their ability to say i failed i tried this does not work can i try something else the ability to have open conversations is what i think making them uh, stay stable stay composed and calm i think this is about almost therapeutic right you if you have any mental health issue and let's face it mental health is not a, a negative topic at all uh, you have a cold and a cough you go to a general practitioner uh, and you want to clear your mind either you talk to somebody that you uh, feel comfortable and trustworthy or you go and pay a professional to talk in the business context i see uh, people like me who are transformation coaches actually talking to entrepreneurs who don't want to be judged by their bankers and investors and in some cases they actually the investors have made the introduction to me for them and it is them saying that hey have a conversation clear your mind so that your own mind when you are ready to take a decision has gone through all kinds of conversations good bad ugly and then when you take a decision you are owning it up right i think the, the all good decisions are those it, it might be right or wrong but good decisions are all about can you own it up you don't want to shy away from your own decision and i think that's a hallmark of a classic failure of an entrepreneur entrepreneurs succeed because they take bold decisions and they stand by it they are not shy of saying hey that did not work let me move on and right. that's what i'm seeing that people are ready to speak about failures people are ready to talk about what they want to try pilot it without shying away from it i think that's what is also going to make a decision because it mentally gears them up in a crisis i've seen one thing people who pay attention to their personal health to their emotional well-being uh, can face a crisis far stronger far longer as well. you never know how this covid is going to shape up right globally it might be over in the next one month it might be over probably it may take under two years but the economic impact and the market impact that it has left us it's going to last for a couple of quarters so it's almost like running a couple of marathons together so if you don't right. have the energy uh, the mental physical and the emotional well-being and this is the time i always say that invest in yourself if you can believe in thousands of people why don't you believe in yourself invest in yourself i'm sure you can spend an hour uh, some of them take to gymming some of them are into spirituality some of them are into yoga whatever you think can help you emotionally mentally physically do it and the classic example of what watch out for what you eat and right. i uh, i mean i've heard cases of in a crisis you reach out to a bag of chips 
or a coffee or a cigarette uh, i mean these are things small little things it might sound very trivial but over a long period of time it plays a greater role in your own physical health and this is where i think entrepreneurs need small little one guidance take care of yourself first if you're not well you cannot take care of the people in your company and your company be fit it is a war it is a battle it's a long term battle so crisis uh, in a nutshell a uh, lot of uh, entrepreneurs who are making the cut and facing this uh, better than others are those who are taking care of themselves and ready to admit failures and things that don't work and who are open to ideas who don't say oh i've never tried it i'm not sure it won't work for me yes they know their organization more than others but they're ready to try experiment right fantastic so it's often you know we spoke uh, as part of uh, prepping up for this uh, conversation that uh, you know uh, over these uh, couple of months and over years of uh, you know your experience and both dealing with crisis and taking your learnings from crisis you know you had some fantastic uh, you know pointers and some thoughts so you know why don't we run over them uh, you know uh, one by one uh you are your only best friend in a crisis so talk to us you know your perspective on that philosophy sure i mean see a lot of them uh, in the crisis during a crisis start doubting their own selves yeah self doubt is our biggest uh, best friend it's a biggest enemy <laughs> it's a biggest enemy <laughs> so which is why i always say that uh, you will find lot of fair weather friends who will suddenly disappear when you are being celebrated as the best ceo or the best startup or the best company or if you go out and raise 100 million dollar valuation uh the same night you're going to have enough smss and whatsapp messages and congratulations coming in people will celebrate in a crisis lot of them will disappear and it is absolutely fine because you will start doubting yourself did you do a big error that everybody disappeared and that's why i always say in a crisis you are your best friend because you know your strength and weaknesses and you got to safeguard and play to your strength because it is your company it is your people that you are there and i think that is what i always keep saying never doubt yourself for which you need great emotional health mental health and physical health so take care of your health stop doubting yourself and if you are in doubt speak to somebody you trust so that you get that toxic out i always call it it's almost like a toxin get that negativity out if you are positive and charged uh, you will at least give your best shot for resolving that crisis or facing that crisis right fantastic so when 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 i'm looking to become my own best friend and and when i'm in a certain low so self doubt also creeps into you know they the self doubt is our worst enemy the enemy brings on another enemy which is you know pulling down your confidence so when your confidence is low that's the worst time to take uh, you know any strong decisions uh, towards yourself towards the company towards your employees your, your partners and uh, customers and so on so at this stage how how do you suggest uh, you know someone to work on their self confidence uh, and want to hold it and to build up, build up from here on see uh, there are two things two aspects of uh, personality that nobody can take it away from any individual unless they give it up that's self respect and self esteem and it's easier said than done uh, for which you need to be far stronger mentally and i have a firm belief that most of the entrepreneurs have that they mm-hmm. have that conviction in themselves i mean that's how you have that's how you started the, yeah that's how you started that's how you gave up your all your comforts and became an entrepreneur and ready to walk the untested waters so so to speak 
and don't give it up and if you have already been funded and you have a board and you have your investor you will definitely amongst all the investors you might have one person the go to person to talk to who you think will not use your circumstance against you that's very important for an entrepreneur the biggest thing you want to do is protect the value that you have built for your business or the concept you right. don't want somebody stealing it from you so in that context talk to somebody if you have a lot of people in your team you may want to talk to somebody else outside uh you may want to talk to your best friend who is not from the industry or from somebody from the industry association or uh some of the companies that i'm associated with have the ability of uh the financial ability to go and seek out uh, a professional like me to talk to and you have to speak to somebody dispassionately openly about your fears about the failures and about what you think you want to do and i think if you can get it out of your mind and if you can speak it i can tell you most of the time when uh, you have a kind of uh, palpitation or almost uh, faster heartbeat because you are bottling it up speak your mind and get a conviction uh, it won't take it won't be done overnight it take it's a process but when you come back and you say this is what i thought i have thought through all the ideas i have thought through all the possibilities and i'm going to try it if it succeeds great i'll give my best towards that and that's how each of the businesses have grown over time right i mean every every brand in india whether it's a cadbury uh, the crisis or the nestle the maggi crisis that they went through it's right. phenomenal learning from all of them uh, they had large, large i think brand valuations to lose if they did not handle that crisis well but they had the conviction in their own product processes and people i think that's where is important for an entrepreneur that you, unless you have your self confidence the people who work with you the core team your core team is going to be very jittery on a daily basis because people can sense fear people right. can sense fear in others people can sense negativity even if you don't utter a word and in a startup ecosystem an entrepreneurial ecosystem you are almost like family you're bumping into each other every hour so it is better that you actually talk talk it out quickly right with uh so i i like this uh, concept right what you just spoke about right that uh, you know the the state of conviction comes from a very strong uh, self belief and that self belief and conviction also culminates in to what standards of uh, performance we hold ourselves accountable or we would like to help be held accountable for now at this time it's very you know it's very heart crunching to see that hey i'm unable to perform to the levels that i should have been there now but also to to take a you know a hit on the chin to say that hey it's okay you know i am not alone it's it's a global thing there are things that are out of my control that i need to uh, that i need to deal with it and uh, you know i this may not be the hardest punch that i've ever got hit but i need to figure out a way to stand up on this so as part of the standing up i need to take a bunch of decisions including whether my current uh, business uh, stays on track i need to completely pivot if i completely pivot into an adjacent area or into a completely new uh, business what happens to my uh, team you know taking the team decision is always one of the hardest uh you know when you have to deal with it uh, we have seen the american uh, you know way of showing great empathy with airbnb starting uh you know the culture of uh, you know showing great empathy towards how you lay off uh, people 
India has always had a very strong sense of empathy towards its employees and its uh, ecosystem, but never spoken much about it. Right now, a lot of Indian companies uh, are also trying to see if healthcare benefits and some insurance benefits can be extended beyond uh, you know the tenure of the employees. Talk to us about in these situations. How does one build uh, you know? the mind on how do you look at adjacent markets or pivots uh, from a business existential point of view and also from if you have to cut down the cost what would be some of the parameters that one would look at apart from you know your people costs per se sure i think um, that's a very uh, open question and uh, the the formula will actually depend on the balance sheet or the, the construct of your balance sheet depending on the uh, sector uh, it's going to depend on what is the actual proportion of each of your cost heads um, and that's going to be very very critical and how do those uh, components of cost head if it is manpower uh, how essential it is if you're saying the cost of borrowing how essential it is and each of those has would have a different solution for different uh, uh, industries but in a nutshell i think very very simple uh, the philosophy of any of this cost cutting or cost management uh, has to be your very existence I think entrepreneurs have to start thinking uh, beyond a certain size and scale uh, that are you taking decisions because of the individual that you are or the individuals that you deal with that's your team or because you're responsible as the CEO of an institution an institution need not be a known name institution need not be a big name institution can still be a one year old startup uh, it's all your state of mind so what are you building it for I think that's the first philosophy I will lay it out, and I would advise people to look on the the latter, which means you are actually wanting to build an institution. Institution process does not mean they're going to replace you as a CEO. I mean, take that fear away. Uh, I think the promoters, the entrepreneurs, wear two hats today. I think one, you started it and you own a substantial part of the company, and two, you are also the professional CEO of that particular company. You are a CEO because you have the ability to run the business and manage the team. and manage all the complexities that come with the business that's very very essential so in that context if you separate ownership and actual management then mentally you can take decisions as a management far easier than the ownership otherwise you always have the battle what if i do this will my valuation come down will will my valuation increase what happens to the people segregate the two uh, it's not easy it is a state of mind that you it takes long time for you to get that to a state the moment that you look at yourself as a professional ceo of the business do what is good for that business to survive next 2 to 5 years minimum uh let's not worry about will there be another crisis will the economy slow down will my next round of fundraise slow down uh, let's assume yes for all of this fund fundraise will slow down let's assume the crisis will continue for some time that's a far better way of building a robust balance sheet than assuming all goody goody things so if you are assuming that now come to the points of what are the top critical areas of cost that you want to trim and here you will have to be very very judgmental because some things you may want to actually keep even though the cost might be higher might give you a long term return over a point in time that you need to continue building so don't kill that project don't kill that particular thing and and also when you look at let's say the headcount the key challenge always is how do i deal with people letting go of people it's heart wrenching it's emotional but you can still be nice uh, one of the uh, uh concept that people are doing are extending mediclaim it's a very very old idea uh the fact is i would even encourage look at few other things can you give positive references can you let 
some of them use your office almost like uh, uh, a shared service they come in and go because they will be applying for newer jobs if your laptop or uh, mobile phones uh, are not on the lease model and actually been bought out and being depreciated in a balance sheet can you actually afford to give it to your employees retrenching to have them because end of the day that's a tool that they cannot afford to buy today or can you uh, uh, in certain cases depending on again on your finances can you afford to pay not just the mediclaim not just the deferred salaries and other things can you afford to pay simple things like the school fees for the kids of those employees you're retrenching imagine anybody uh, who's a parent uh, will have a sigh of relief as long as the kids education doesn't get impacted as long as their medical facility for themselves the previous generation the parents and the in-laws and the next generation is taken care and continued it's a big big i think more an emotional worry that you're taking away from the people you're touching and always remember people your employees are your brand ambassadors but when they exit they become your super ambassadors so how you deal with them then how you genuinely care for them makes all the difference and sometimes depending on your balance sheet you would be actually realize that it doesn't cost much if if you're a small startup and you have only retention 10 guys and if you have to pay uh, 30000 40000 rupees school fee for 10 of them uh, it's not much uh, the overall retention so there are countless ways that you can do it uh, or you can tie up with a counselor local counselor in case they want to reach out to speak to them uh, i think that's a reality but the fact is if uh, everybody assumes that this, after this covid economy the jobs will come up in the next one month two months three months i think let's not kid ourselves it's going to take some time uh, when the economy settles down lot of pain according to me is yet to come uh, when it is not shameful to sack people people will do it today it, nobody wants not many people and the known brands will not do it because it is publicly awkward to let go of people and in the in the our financial system there is a moratorium that the uh, government has given for most of the loans so it is fine you don't feel the pinch the day the moratorium over, ends yeah and that's when the real rubber hits the road moment comes in and that's when i anticipate retrenchment and again one more thing is uh, retrenchment is always taken very personally and will be because it uh, impacts individual and let's face it it's a social standing people in our social society if you don't have a job it's almost like a stigma so can you dispel that myth can you treat people with dignity can you allow them certain facilities which will uh, let's say give them that dignity let them come into your office once in a while can you host a weekly get together it doesn't cost much uh, and it it shows dignity that you still respect them as the friends and the team members that they were the colleagues that they are but sadly business decision allowed you to force you to let them go but can you afford to get them back once a week once in fortnight to celebrate and to talk about all your failures and are there any learning because end of the day they still have some wisdom so there are countless ways that we can do and i think each of these solutions will have to be built on the culture that you have in your organization cultures are very very varied and belief systems are very very varied and the oh. segments are very very varied and i'm sure there are enough solutions that people have in the market and you can build on so this again goes back uh, you know to one of the old things that uh, you know being a ceo you are not here to win a popularity contest absolutely got to, uh, but doesn't mean that you don't look at uh, being empathetic to your decisions uh, because it yep. has a long uh, impact life cycle yep that's, that's true fantastic 
let's talk about uh, you know the uh, at this stage when you know when raising funds is hard from you know in the typical way of raising uh, from the pe world talk talk to us about alternate uh, fundraising options especially the debt markets now that yeah. a lot of banks are flushed with uh, you know money from the government uh, especially in india uh, how you know is debt market a real an option for uh, technology companies who have raised a lot of money from vc uh, funds uh, they have never explored debt market especially from traditional institutions they always look for a bridge loan uh, which is a fancy way of uh, debt uh, you know raising a debt round Uh, from the same uh, pe fund That's but true. now with pe funds also you know becoming uh, more conscious uh, how attractive is really the debt market and you know what talk to us a little more about it. sure i mean uh, debt market in india has, has always been very shallow uh, and uh, so while from the technology space uh, technology entrepreneurs have raised uh, equity capital Uh, it looks fancy right because you're talking about uh, large valuations and it looks like it's your flush with funds and the fact is in the debt market you have to be very sure what do you need that debt for and what is the cost of the debt can your balance sheet afford it or is it better off that you use equity to build some of those projects that you want to use that liquidity for so i think in that context there are only three tools that i see for tech entrepreneurs one is extreme left you have the equity capital on the extreme other side you have the debt markets which could be a bank loan which could be a mutual fund borrowing which could be any other debt instrument and in between today the uh, the entrepreneurs especially the tech promoters have the concept of the venture debt where you want to you actually take debt because you don't want to dilute equity and you are confident that your revenues and profitability will improve in 2 to 3 years by which time you can retire that debt as well and if you don't retire that debt by that time it gets converted into equity and stuff like that so the construct is only two right on one side you have the uh, equity other side you have the debt the point is why do you need that debt for and do you have ability to raise uh, incremental revenues which can actually service that debt so don't take debt because it's nice if you are going to raise debt you are going to get rated as a company you have to get your debt instrument rated and the moment you are going to be rated and if you default uh, forget your chance of raising money again forget your chance of raising equity again your valuation suddenly will tip so which means it's a double edged sword so be careful why what do you need that money for and it's almost like very very simple right we're going back to the classic old way of doing business whether you are a street side vendor Uh, or whether you are a multinational uh, you have to actually have far greater revenues and profitability than you actually borrow right and that's a reality so the debt markets yesterday your banks are flush with funds the banks uh, some of the banks uh, will be wary of giving money to tech entrepreneurs unless you can actually qualify for the working capital loan and you can showcase ability to re- uh, return the money and that's the main part and i think it it is very very classic moment it's a tough moment to decide do you really need that liquidity don't borrow just to keep liquidity because you need to service it with interest coming uh, you know to the next set of uh, points uh, you know that we had uh, discussed about uh, talk to us about this uh, concept of uh, you know over communicating and you know being accessible now these are times when you know due to the you know fear of failure or to the emotional tension that one is uh basic human tendency is to withdraw right you withdraw from family from social uh, you know today online social events uh, that families have 
when you are going through a lot of emotional uh, stress uh, basic human tendency is to withdraw but that's not something that an entrepreneur uh, you know can afford to do especially when you are in a very structured uh, environment uh, so talk to us something you know some tips and uh, some ideas that you would uh, recommend uh, you know, to be to handle communication and accessibility see the classic point about why i always insist on over communicating in a crisis is simple uh, people have confidence crisis always blows up if it is lack of confidence it is not crisis of actual business matter then it becomes crisis of confidence if i let's say if bimlesh in this company is going through a crisis and if i try to reach bimlesh and he is not picking up my call i can try once twice thrice leave a message leave an email all that and if you don't respond i start doubting you not just your business i start doubting your ability as an entrepreneur ability as the ceo ability as anybody as you will be i think that's where i always say come over communicate in a crisis if people know that you are reachable if people know that you are actually responding uh, and lot of uh, if i put myself in an entrepreneur shoe lot of times entrepreneurs say that hey uh, i don't have an answer now but you keep uh, questioning me and i don't want an answer and i tell them why don't you actually openly say i know about this problem i acknowledge but i don't have an answer now that's the far better answer than actually not not picking up that call because then the other person who's asking that question says hey i know i called bimlesh and he said he's been thinking through it and he has two different options is not decided and he's thinking through okay let me call him after two days he will call me after a day if he has an answer i think that's where over communicating whether it across all stakeholders internal and external internal because your teams look at your body language the way you and i'm not saying you should not scream fret fume all that there are very very basic human emotions do all that but respond tell people i'm okay and always remember as an entrepreneur uh, the biggest fear that most of us have is failure and how we will be judged not only by the external world but more about people closer to you which means your family and friends and i think that's what all of us have to take comfort their family communicate to them most of us in a crisis fight for the war at work or for the business right. forget to actually respond positively to the family members if you are going through a crisis i mean trust me your family is also going through a crisis they may not say utter a word but your uh, spouse your children your parents your in-laws everybody are watching and they're not judging you they're worried for your health safety personal health everything so i think that's why you must communicate with your family with your investors uh, i would recommend if you are going through a crisis get on a call fix a call every 3 days once a week twice a week with your investors it could be a quick 15 minute update you don't need to sit and make a presentation or point presentation you can say hey i'm going to talk to you about three three points this is an update and this is work in progress it gives them the confidence that you are taking time out to update them do the same with your bankers if you have taken a loan from them do the same with your vendors and the supply chain community that you deal with do the same with your core team on a daily basis i used to call it the uh, the stand up meeting every day you say that i am we are going to just chat for 10 minutes i am going to speak for, as a business said i am going to speak for 3 minutes lay out what we have to do today while we might have a goal to overcome this crisis the annual business plan the quarterly targets all that are fine what are we going to t- do today to get us closer to that so stick to fundamental activities what will create impact that day is those activities talk about it and talk about who would approach what failure and every day if you can also do a debrief in the evening about 
what failed, what worked, and celebrate it. Because a lot of times we scream and we went out during the day with our teams and we don't realize that some people have the tendency to take things very personal. So in a crisis, over-communicate, you're better off. If you go into a shell, people start doubting your ability as an entrepreneur, as a professional. Let's, let's talk about uh, you know, the, the ability to hold uh, existing relationships and building a new network and relationships at these times. What, what do you see? Do you see uh, one definitely among the entrepreneur fraternity, you know, there's a lot more outreach as I spoke about before. But uh, beyond the the entrepreneur uh, ecosystem, do you think it's a, now a good idea to reach out uh, to several other people to understand different perspectives versus trying to focus on how I uh, you know, continue to ride uh, you know, this particular uh, crisis of, uh, of the organization? Talk to us your thoughts on networking and building the next wave of relationships that I need to start investing on. Sure, I think um, uh, I would use the word relationship. It's very strategic, it's very personal, and it's very long term. You don't uh, build a relationship uh, uh, for all those tech entrepreneurs who are watching this video. Just because you send me a LinkedIn invite doesn't mean you have uh, created a relationship with me. It's, it's the first step of the relationship that you've reached out and I will accept that invite. But the fact is, uh, you may not want anything from me, I may not want anything from you, that's fine. But if you want something, have the clarity of saying what is it that you want. <coughs> so the classic textbook mistake that I see in people is actually boasting I have 30,000 connections. And I ask them, how many have you actually picked up the phone and spoken to? 100, 200, 300? In a crisis, how many of you can you reach out? You may not have spoken to them ever, but can you have the ability, your mindset, mental ability to actually say, hey, listen, I see these three people on my network and I will drop a message fully aware that none of them might even respond. That's fine. So which means do not in a networking or in a relationship, do not fear failure. You're knocking the door, somebody shall slam the door on you, it's fine. And you're used to business, right? And as an entrepreneur, you're used to this. So the point is uh, relationships take a long term to nurture. It is not win-win. It takes a long term time before it becomes win-win. And I think it is almost like learning. The ability and the willingness to learn I think creates better relationships over a point in time and ability not to take things personally. Each each of us human beings are very different personality, very different ways we react to things. Uh, on Let's say on LinkedIn, uh, I've had people who will do really stupid forwards. It's a professional networking ground. You don't forward uh, jokes and WhatsApp jokes that you get and you don't use words like, yo, how's you doing? You're not my best friend for that language. Uh, no, neither are you probably the same peer set in the social, in the uh, professional hierarchy. So I think some of those mistakes avoid. Be very clear, be uh, sure what you want, and you may not want anything, but then participate. If you're using LinkedIn, participate. If you're writing something, post it. If you're reading something, comment on it, appreciate it, give a feedback. I think that's how people start noticing you. Otherwise, just by connecting uh, and not doing anything about it, people just forget. Uh, and I think that's where entrepreneurs have to engage themselves. A lot of entrepreneurs I know who are very good at networking, uh, very surprisingly, personally are introverts. And uh, they would be more than happy sitting at home with uh, a book and just a coffee or a green tea or a cup of a glass of wine. Uh, but they have made it a point that they must seek information 
seek knowledge and seek things from others what they don't naturally have or do and i think that's what makes them successful entrepreneurs and it's very humbling to learn from them because they've gone beyond their personality type to say that i want to learn i want to meet new people and that's about it so i think networking please be serious and it's serious job showcase your intent and it's long term it's not over amazing uh, insights uh, shrinath a uh, wonderful conversation uh, i think uh, you know you, you if you want to share about uh, any any other last parting uh, thoughts you know i'm i'm i've run out of my questions so you know any any other uh, you know pieces of uh, wisdom advice uh, you know and thoughts that you want to share uh, so i uh, i want to share something uh, crisis is keep coming and going uh, and their magnitude is very small to very large it's almost like uh, japan has uh, multiple earthquakes a day some are minor some are major major and stuff like that and if we learn from that they have actually adopted and adapted a lifestyle around it so if you are an entrepreneur the the road is going to be thorny there are days when the world will celebrate you saying hey great valuation and all that don't get carried away by such exuberance and just because some days are terrible uh, don't get bogged down um, you can feel down but uh, you can push the bar but don't beat yourself for it for not achieving it but at the same time if you are paranoid if you are getting sleepless nights uh, it's fine you are an entrepreneur at the end of the day you have chosen to reach out to hundreds or thousands or millions of consumers to make their life better and in that journey you are responsible for many many families directly because they are part of your team who work for you and who work with you so it is fine to be paranoid it is fine to be frustrated at times uh, and it is fine that you are constantly thinking about something to do better but the fact is for all of this create an ecosystem where you don't take all this personally and in that sense just as a parting thought i always say this uh, the olympic motto of spirit of participation is fine but for the corporate world in the competitive world that we live in it doesn't work uh, you cannot say i was also among the 100 companies that tried and sorry buddy the top 3 survive and they have disproportionate market share of probably almost 80% and if you're not in that you lost the race and that's a reality the world will judge you by and everybody will judge you by right from your investors so if you want to be competitive equip yourself to be competitive and be 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 paranoid about it and push the bar very very high on a daily basis and i think crisis is a great time rebuild your organization and all the best to all the entrepreneurs watching this fantastic thank you so much shrinath a wonderful conversation uh, i have definitely got a tremendous amount of uh, insights uh, from your vast experience and you know your experience of working with uh, you know entrepreneurs in the last 6 months appreciate your time coming on pitch camp and uh, you know as i said it's an honor and a privilege to have you thank you so much thank you so much